Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Smile at somebody, I suppose, why well, you should be doing that anyway. All these people. Such a uh, strange thing is taking place. I want to thank the teams that have backstopped us these last six months. Incredible. The video team, the production team. This morning, the, new, the teams that were, we, we've been in like overdrive trying to anticipate who's going to come. Is anybody going to come? How are we going to sit them? How are we going to hang out together? And um, anyway, you're all here, and we're just so thankful. We, when Kel mentioned we would come for a number of weeks after they asked us to no longer have services, I've assured people I'm not going to say anything too much about what's going on. They're very nervous. Um, but you know, the, to me, the church is an essential service. I'm sorry that the... Our, our governments haven't specifically realized that, but when we would gather, we just didn't know what else to do on Sunday mornings. What we do is we go to church. And when there's no people here, I mean, even though we felt, you know, God's touch in the house, we didn't, it's just so different than having live worship. <laughs> so different than having living stones gathering together. And, that, and, and, and so for us, there was a grief having felt like we had lost something that we'd worked so hard to establish. And I just want to say on behalf of Kelly and I, we're just so deeply thankful that you're here today. Thank you for coming. <laughs> It'd be easy for me to say without any exaggeration that for many of you that uh, we have been through um, a historical event that most will never forget. Um, I don't know if you ever got one of these calls or not that said, um, this is the front desk and this is your wake-up call. We used to have, before we had phones and watches to tell us when to wake up, we get the front desk to tell us. Um, um, people, I hope that you realize this is a wake-up call. hope you realize that. And if you've ever wondered, is there a time that I should change my lifestyle, my habits, my patterns, this is that time. So you don't want to be confused about that. I think the other thing that's happened is we've been through a global happiness experiment. <laughs> and we maybe didn't realize that the things that we, you, you, you miss something when you lose it. And that should provoke gratitude in our hearts. Yeah. Study at Harvard um, on happiness. They said, I wonder if gratitude has anything to do with happiness. And they had a group of people uh, every, at the same time, every hour, stop and write down three things they're thankful for. Uh, after one week, the noticeable difference was people were happier. After three months, they found that they not only were happier, but there was less anxiety and less depression. And after six months, it continued to go because continued to get better and better and better. Because th this is like, for us, we can look at things and grumble or else we can look at things and find stuff that we're thankful for. <laughs> it's easy to grumble. 
easy to find faults, easy to criticize, takes a cold heart and a pointy finger. <laughs> but to find the things that are good, uh, which, is, which is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life, is to discern both good and evil. Yeah. Find lots of people can discern evil, it's harder for them to discern good. So what it, that's, that's what we're told in maturing in Christ, it comes to that. So um, it feels to me like our earth has been through an anaphylactic reaction to mankind. And you feel that we're still living within that seizure where people are a bit jerky. And, but I have a word this morning for us as a people. And I'm sorry for those that couldn't get into the <laughs> um, register for church. Strange thing when you have to say, this, is, this breaks my heart when you have to say, I'm sorry, there's no room. That should never be the case. We, we, those of us who have been here longer should say, you have my seat, we'll stand. <laughs> for, for some reason, which we're trying to respect the regulations, and on the other hand, trying to balance that with the word of the Lord. And for many people these days, they place more trust in Google or more trust in CNN News than they have the word of the Lord. We're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean onto our own understanding. And in all our ways, acknowledge him. And then he will direct our path, and he will direct our path. And this morning, um, next month, it's been, um, it'll be 25 years before when, when we planted the church, 1995, August the, or October the 5th. And <clears throat> about 20 years ago, I was trying to give a brand promise to the people who would gather. At that time, it was West Hills Community Church. and. Um, I said, here's what I'm going to promise to you every week when we get together. There's going to be three things that you should always expect when you come together. The first thing is information and instruction, because I think people want to know what the Bible says about stuff. So every morning that we gather, you will have the Bible taught to you. Uh, you get to choose what you do with it. That's not up to me. But you will, it'll be instructional. Secondly, it will be inclusive is that doesn't matter your age, your socioeconomic background, your ethnicity, your gender, and apparently there's lots of them. But um, um, it will be inclusive. It's for everybody. Whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. And the third thing I can promise you is it needs to be inspiring. That means it has the breath of the Holy Spirit. It needs to be inspiring. You've, get, you've got enough things that are not inspiring. When you come to the house of God, you need a word of inspiration. That was my promise. We've tried to live with that. And for the best of my ability, we have not stopped that. So I just want to say that for me, the church has saved my life. Jesus saved my soul. But the church, body of Christ, his, that I'm part of his flock, that has saved my life. It saved my marriage. It saved my family. And we need to come together for inspiration and for revelation together on a regular basis. And I just so love hearing all of your voices. I like listening to them this morning. Rather than hearing my own in worship, I was part of the collective body of Christ. This is, there's nothing like it on the, on the planet. Nothing like it. So thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me for coming. Um, I want to share with you this morning, we started a series, uh, and it's called Why? So I, I thought that would leave us fairly open for what we talked about. <laughs> so, so let's see what direction it's going to go over the next few weeks. This morning, the why for me today I'm going to talk about is because people matter. That's why. 
Uh, I don't know if you watch the program American Pickers or not. Anybody watch that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I'm conducting my own um, experiment out of my garage. <clears throat> We've, I cleaned my garage this summer. Actually, Kelly cleaned the garage. No, I, under, under her direction, the garage got cleaned. Let's say it that way, because I did help a lot. But um, she has, a, at different times, called me a pack rat. I tend to think of myself as a, ser a family historian. <laughs> I'm keeping things around. But I like American pickers because they find stuff that for other people this looks like junk, but they see something good in it. I like that. That old rusty sign, I'll give you $500 for that. And I think to myself, you're nuts. And the person says, ah, oh, how about 585? And pretty soon they settle it. <laughs> 5.35 and 45 cents, and it's just an interesting, because they go through everybody, people's junk and they say, that, that right there, it's worth something. Uh, I hope that you realize that what takes place every day, 24 hours a day, is the Lord looks at you and I and he says, oh, there's something precious right there. He's, he sees a diamond in the rough. He's, he sees the, 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 the goodness that's yet unrefined. And my hope today is that the Lord would give us eyes to be able to see God in other people as well, with his eyes. And that's what I prayed for this morning, and that's what I believe is going to happen. And um, the reason for that, as I believe, the Bible says that we're to live by faith, not by sight. And I wrongfully thought that that meant with biblical faith was blind. There's nothing further from the truth. Biblical faith sees 100%. It sees very clearly, and so I think that's just, a, for me, it's been a real eye-opener the last decade. Uh, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 43, um, and, and, in, in, and I've felt this many, many times in my heart, and he, he begins um, in chapter 43 talking about when you go through the waters, well, Lord, aren't you going to spare me from the waters? No, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. Um, he's, they've got the scripture up there. I'm going to just go, leave that up if you don't mind. And, and, and when, you go through deep, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. And, and wouldn't we like it if the Lord would just remove us from all troubles? And wouldn't that be nice? He's, got another, he's working out another purpose. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. I just, I'd rather not even tread water, Lord, but no, you won't drown. And when you go through fires of oppression, you'll not be burned. The flames will not consume you. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. This is such a dynamic chapter. <clears throat> and then he goes on to say, don't be afraid. I'm with you. <clears throat> I'm going to gather you. In verse 8, I'm, uh, bring out the people who have eyes but are blind and ears that are deaf. And then he says this thing. And then he talks about where he took them through the waters and made a dry path through the seas. And he called forth a mighty army of Egypt. He said, but forget all of that. <clears throat> forget those former things and don't dwell on the past. Yeah, we have had some challenges, but the Lord's been with us. <clears throat> don't dwell on the past. And here's why. Because I'm doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. Can you not see it? I'm going to do it. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Well, if he's doing a new thing, shouldn't it be easy for us to see? Well, not if it's a new thing because we're trained to looking at the old thing. It's pretty easy to miss a new thing when you're in love with the old thing. He said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Can't you perceive it? 
And the reason is because people who may have eyes, but they are blind to the new thing that the Lord is doing. I know many of you are caught up in the things that are happening in government and in politics, and you're, you're caught up what's happening. We're, and I wish to God that we would say Christ ten times more than we say COVID. I wish that that name was on our lips. And, we, and we're looking at all the things, and where did this come from? What about that? You know, well... Whatever, he's doing a new thing. Can you not see it? No, because we're consumed with everything that's going on around us right here. Now, <clears throat> pardon me. There's some things we don't get to do again. Can't raise your kids again. Did you notice that? Ooh. A few things I do a little different. <laughs> None of my kids said amen. <clears throat> you can't have your 16th birthday again, Sarana. It's all gone can't do this. Some things you can't do again. And I know that the past, sometimes the past is attractive and romantic. Um, you can't have any second first impressions. So, well, who are we to think that we need to be impressed the first time anyway? <laughs> um, I seen a picture of a hell's angel. He had tattooed across the back of his neck, no regrets. And I thought, well, let's wait for 30 years. <laughs> it's coming around. <laughs> um, how is it possible to miss it? A new thing, can you see it? My, my, my father-in-law is sitting with his sister. She's 94 years old. Uh, she's in a care home, and um, he says, uh, I said, how does it look? He says, she's waiting for angels. Take her away. I said, really? I said, how does it look? He said, death looks different when you're sitting right beside it. It looks different. In our youth, of course, everything looks so bright and so beautiful. At the end, it looks a little different. Um, I'm not going to get morbid on you, but I believe God is doing a new thing. He's constantly doing a new thing in every person all the time. Do you not say it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, So we stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks of them. <laughs> Once we mistakenly thought of Christ this way. <clears throat> Seeing people as Jesus sees them is, is actually a real discipline because you need eyes of the Spirit. Jude chapter, verse 24 says, Unto him was able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, uh, it says that he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Did you know that the Lord sees you without fault? That's <clears throat> why he can, so easy for him to love us because he's not concentrating on our faults. What if we could live like that? <laughs> oh, oh, what a life. <clears throat> We're reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, those of you who are reading through the Bible, and, um, and it's a very <clears throat> different picture. Uh, Solomon's attributed to three books in the Bible, and um, <clears throat> pardon me, one of the wise teacher in Proverbs, one of them's the royal lover of the Song of Solomon, and, but Ecclesiastes, he's the picture. It's where we get the word ecclesia from, the, the called out ones, and he's calling out. But the interesting thing is if you read the book of Ecclesiastes like it's a heavenly perspective, you'll get very confused because it's the perspective of Ecclesiastes is under the sun. It's everything on an earthly perspective. The word under the sun appears uh, 38 times. It could, you, you could actually could title Ecclesiastes life under the sun. What's it look like right here? <clears throat> he, he, the interesting thing <clears throat> about how he talks about God, because God's used a lot, but never the personal term for God is used in Ecclesiastes. It's always Elohim, mighty God, 
creator. He says, the creator. So what's he doing? He's looking at creation. It's never Jehovah, personal God. Why? Because the preacher doesn't have a relationship with God. <laughs> For some reason, he's disconnected. He sees him as creator, but he can't see him as one he can relate to. Uh, interesting for me, he uses the term vanity 39 times. It's, it's, it, it's vanity is the same word. It means vapor, disappears quickly and leaves nothing. Meaningless, meaningless, vanity of vanities. 49 times he uses the word man, literally man under the sun or man made from dirt. <clears throat> What's he referring to? He's referring to life from a human perspective, how we see things on this plane right here, life under the sun. You could look around and sum up a whole bunch of things about what's going on right now looking uh, just around you like this. But I'm just going to assure you today, a lot more is going on than what you can see with your eye. <clears throat> but we need eyes to see what he's doing. One of the functions of the local church or the purposes is to support and encourage your relationship with God <clears throat> and help your word, your, your life, your faith to grow in your life. Fresh perspective arises in the presence of God. Church gatherings around corporate worship and the word, it's designed to challenge us. Listen, I'm not surprised with some of the emails I get when people don't agree with what I say. I shouldn't. If we're all thinking the same, we're not thinking very much. You all just, you all have different ideas. Don't get upset at my perspective. I'm not upset at yours. Go ahead and have your own odd ideas. Like, my, I have odd ideas. Go ahead. <clears throat> Are you surprised that we think differently on things? Like, I'm not surprised. I get an email and say, I don't agree with you. I said, I don't blame you. Don't blame me a bit. I've got a bunch of those. So encouraging. <clears throat> You're meant to be challenged. I wonder, are you open, though, to be challenged? If you're not challenged, you won't change. As long as you keep seeing things the way you've always seen them, there's no desire to make any changes. My, my goal is to <clears throat> not tickle your ears and make you all happy. I, I like you to be all happy. My goal is to challenge you. The Bible says that steel sharpens steel. It doesn't say that it's meant to cut you, but the Holy Spirit will. His word is alive, and it can actually do a little surgery if you're up for that. Most people put up a, myself included, put up a little. I, I always know when I come across an eternal truth in Scripture. And here's a, a big uh, trick. This is, a, this, is a, this is a real secret <clears throat> in studying Scripture. Whenever you come to a contradiction in the Bible, <laughs> and it's full of them. Have you read it? It's full of them. Mark Twain used to say, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the things I don't understand in Scripture. I'm concerned about the things I do understand. The, the, the Bible is full of contradictions. It's not a problem. That's an invitation. But when you see a contradiction, uh, that's an invitation to go deeper into the Scriptures. That, that's, that something looks like it contradicts itself. I don't know. Have you ever, hasn't it bothered you when the Bible says you want to find your life? You've got to lose it. Oh, good. <clears throat> until I have to lose it. <laughs> have, you noticed, have you noticed that, though? It's a contradiction, isn't it? It says if you'd like to receive, what do you got to do? Oh, no, that's backwards. You're just messing with the system now, Pastor. No, I'm not. Because what I'm, I'm just going to share with you from Corinthians, uh, where it says that we fix our eyes on the things that we can't see. I don't know if that stopped anybody or not. That slowed me down a little bit. 
Is it, does that bother anybody that we're supposed to look at something we can't see? Yeah. bothers me a little bit. So what do I do about that? Well, I can reject it or else I can go, oh, maybe there's, maybe there's something I'm not seeing here. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's, that's his work in our lives. <clears throat> so um, I love that passage in Romans where it said, and soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. What a nice passage. So nonviolent and stuff. <laughs> he, honestly, it sounds like really like he's going to step on him like a lame magpie. I mean, nobody does that, but, I mean, the God, but he's the God of peace. I'm trying to keep your attention. If you've got a mask on, you're, you'll, it'll be hard to get fresh oxygen, so just, it's okay. The God of peace, the God of peace is going to soon crush Satan under, not his feet, under your feet. I'd like him to crush Satan under his feet. He already has, and if you're in Christ... And you're standing positioned in Christ. Satan is now currently crushed under your feet as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we fix our eyes on things we can't see. Um, <clears throat> it's a great comfort to me when I read about those who were closest to Jesus were the dullest. It's good, eh? That's, that's a real relief for me. I've heard people say, well, if Jesus just showed up right here and would talk to me, he, then I'd, I'd get it. No, no, you wouldn't. Have you not read the Bible? They hung out with him for three years steady, and they didn't get it. Jesus had to tell one of them to get thee behind me he, because he started talking about his death on the cross. And they go, hmm, if Jesus stood up and sat across the table from you and told you exactly what he was going to do, you know what you do? Disagree with him. That's what the Bible says. That's what it shows us we actually wouldn't get what he's saying because he's speaking from a different perspective than you and I. And until we change our perspective, we will not be able to see what he's saying. Okay. I'm going to have three points within this last point. I've called it snapshot selfies and sound bites. Because we never see the whole story. We live in a world of sound bites and selfies. And, and the selfies make us ourselves look better or support our perspectives or opinions, <laughs> or they try to make somebody else look bad. Have you? Anybody been on social media? Yeah. Um, you pick the pose, you pick the line very carefully, and you leave out other parts, or airbrush them out, or you do something. Imagine the relief for me to discover that God thinks exactly the same way as I do, and I don't have to change any of my thoughts. What a relief. But if I'm honest, he says that my thoughts actually aren't your thoughts. But I said, no, but you says I have the mind of Christ. He said, yeah, but maybe until you submit that mind to me, it needs to be changed and transformed until you can get my thoughts. It requires a bit of renovation on your part, Lorny boy. When he speaks like that, it's affectionate. <clears throat> my thoughts are not your thoughts. Seeing him, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says we see imperfectly. We see in part. We see a poor reflection. We need to be careful of snapshots and sound bites. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10. I, sometimes when I read the Bible, I laugh. This is one of those where I laughed. It's, it's such, it, honestly, it's so hilarious. You, gotta, you just got to believe that God's got a sense of humor because some of the stuff he records, it's hilarious. 
What's going on? Acts chapter 10, God's about to do a new thing. He's about to do a new thing, and he's making it very clear to Peter what he's going to do. Peter, so he gives him a vision. It says that he got hungry, so it's about noon. He's hungry, and he's thinking about lunch. And while it's about lunch, and while lunch was being prepared, it says, he, and he became hungry, he saw a sky open up, and something like a large sheet let, was let down by four corners, and the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And a voice came, Peter, I said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So he's hungry. He's hungry. <laughs> so this isn't an invitation to start hunting. I've used it many times that way to support my habit of hunting. Uh, go kill and eat. <clears throat> but um, but he, what's, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get Peter to see that he sees people differently than Peter does. He's trying to shift and change his paradigm. He's trying to make him think he's not the, he's not the only group in the world. <laughs> that, yeah, Jesus loves Peter, but he also loves Cornelius. This is the first Gentile convert here. Uh, Peter's not really cool about that. He thinks he's the, one of the only ones. And, and uh, I think it's, he's, he's having a little nap. God shifts his focus, and he's opening up the gospel to the Gentiles. Thank goodness I can be in. But what, here's what is interesting to me. This is about 10 years after Pentecost. And what might they not have understood about going into all the world and preach the gospel. Because when he starts getting them into the other world, he's, ah, oh, no, not them, Lord. Not those people. He's sure that you didn't, they don't, their father isn't Abraham. And you see where I'm going? Maybe, maybe not. He's, God's doing a new thing. And he's trying to reveal to Peter, he said, I'm going to do a new thing. Peter rejects the new thing. Like just, so what's he do? He shows up three times. How many need a vision to be directed by the Lord? Is there some of us? How many need three visions to be directed by the Lord? Peter says, and he gives him a, this crazy, this, this great answer. He says, no, Lord. Now, you can use no and you can use Lord, but you can't put them together. If he's Lord, it's always yes. So, so he says, no, Lord, I can't because I've never eaten reptiles or birds. Or I've never, he says, I can't do that. What does he say? I've never in all my life eaten anything forbidden by, by our Jewish laws. He says, no, our way is the right way. You don't go messing with our way, please. This is our family tradition. This is the only way it's done. This is what we do in our community, only done like this. This is what we do in Canada, only like this. What if the Lord wants to do a new thing, and it's a global thing? And what if it doesn't include people that just think like you and act like you and smell like you and dress like you? What if he's doing a brand new thing? Can you see it? I'm nervous. I like people who agree with me. Pick a different world. Have you noticed? Help us, Holy Spirit. Cornelius, he says, get up. It's hilarious. Go, go kill and eat. Three times. Okay, he understands. He's already sent three men because he knows three visions is not going to be enough for Peter. <laughs> Peter's a good guy, man. He's building this church on the revelation that he understands that he's the son of God. But he says, I'm trying to do a new thing. I'm going to have a bit hard-headed, a little stubborn, seeing things pretty much like this here. I'm going to have to change the way he thinks. Okay, I'm going to send three guys. They're going to show up. The visions, the three visions are not good enough. I need three guys to show up like out of nowhere. Peter, goes, he's puzzled. He says, I'm, he's perplexed. Uh, what, what does this vision mean? Uh, later says, verse 10, Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzled over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men are going to come to your door. You didn't get the vision? Here, three men are going to show up. 
I like to entertain strangers. I mean, my parents told me not to. But sometimes it says that angels show up. Or sometimes strangers are they have, they're on a specific mission. So he says this, they've showed up. He says, go tell them without hesitation. Don't you love that little part in there? Without hesitation, all is well. Uh, just read it. And he says, oh, Cornelius, this guy, he's a devout man. He's done lots of, he does lots of good things. Um, <clears throat> he fears God. He's well respected. But he doesn't know the plan of salvation. Why? Because people matter. Why? Because people matter. Why? Because people matter. Steve Green used to sing a song, People Need the Lord. When will they realize that we must give our lives? Why? Because people need the Lord. He's a good guy. He's a very good guy. If you read the next two chapters, you'll get to the end of partway through chapter 13, and it says that sent messengers to Simon, and he'll tell you how you and your household will be saved. There's lots of good people in the world. I hope you can see the goodness in the people, every, every place you go. Lots of good people in the world. Lots of good people. He fears God. Devout man, really generous guy. But he's not saved. Lots of good people in the world. Are we willing to like go a little bit out of our comfort zone to ask people, how, they, how is your relationship with the Lord? If you're sitting with someone and you start to get that question, I wonder if they know the Lord. That's the invitation to ask. Don't ask them before you feel the invitation. But if you feel that, that means something. And then here's what the Lord will do. He'll start to give you a little bit of empathy and compassion for them. Why? Because he wants you to see them like he sees them. Not because of what they eat, what they drink, what they drive, but because they're made in the image of God. And he'll start to give you some compassion for them. And then you'll ask them out of a different place rather than you know what's right and they don't. It'll come from a different place. It'll come out of a place of empathy. Why? Because people need the Lord. And when God wants to do something on the earth, he needs to find a person. He wants to do something with Cornelius, he needed Peter. When God wants to do something in Calgary, he needs you and I. When God wants to do something on the earth, he needs a person, a representative, who will say, yes, Lord, not no, Lord. He, and here's, here's what he goes to say in verse 28, and you'll probably read this all when you get home, but um, Peter, Peter said, they said, why did, you, why did you show up? He said, you know it's against the Jewish laws for me to come into a Gentile home like yours, but God has shown me that I should never think of anyone as impure. What had happened? He'd had an encounter with God. God changed his heart towards how he saw people. He said, nobody is impure. Do we see people like that? Or do we need the Lord to wash them fresh, give us fresh eyes, snapshots? Um, these other two quick points. God was removing the walls of separation. God wasn't changing his diet. He was changing his mindset. He, he, he was doing a new thing. Um, in 1 Samuel Chapter 1, there's a story about a cold-hearted priest and a woman who's been mistreated. She's been bullied. And, and what, she, what she just couldn't get over was that she'd been barren for so long 
but it seemed like his, uh, the other wives were well looked after and they were getting all the blessings. And <clears throat> But a cold-hearted priest saw a snapshot of her. He didn't know where she came from and he didn't know where she was going, but he just had a little snapshot. And he looked at her and he said, woman, you're drunk, put away your wine. She said, you're just seeing a snapshot. You're just seeing me grieving. If anybody were to see me worshiping, a snapshot of me worshiping, yeah, it goes like this. If they stopped right there, they'd go, oh, he's digestion issues, right? But I go like this. If you get me in a snapshot, you don't see what I'm, what I'm like. That's why, the, that's why we're told don't judge things before their time. You don't know where they came from. You don't know where they're going. But if this priest, in that moment when he saw the snapshot, if he would have tapped into the Spirit, he would have been able to prophesy and say to Hannah, Woman, you're about to release one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. If he would have taken a moment to listen, he would have known that even though she felt she was barren and she was weeping and she was distraught, if he would have asked the Lord, the Lord would have said, she's about to give birth. And this Samuel, he's going to change the whole course of Israel history. But instead, he caught the snapshot. I'm just so tired of people living on snapshots. The little images. God bless the devices, but the devil's in the devices. You get a little image of people. You don't see the rest of the story. Anybody been judged recently by what you posted or what you liked? And yet, I like stuff I don't even like. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a weird world. But we get judged by a little snapshot and we get hung up. Rather than seeing God, what are you doing? The imitation when you're, when you're tempted to make a judgment on someone's snapshot, ask the Lord because in that moment, if you'll tap into faith, he'll begin to show you where he's taking that person. A few chapters later, a few chapters later, why? Why do we have to stop? Because people matter. A few chapters later, um, it's a great moment. And Samuel's challenged with the same thing now the young boy he's challenged chapter 16 verse 1 of 1 Samuel says go fill your horn go to Bethlehem find a man I've selected one of his sons why didn't he why did, wouldn't it have been easier if he would have just said I've selected David I've often not if you can hear that you're gonna go find Jesse's <laughs> one of Jesse's boys I, I wondered if, if you could like if he could say here Jesse why couldn't he have said go anoint David Jesse's son wouldn't that have been Saved him a lot of profit. Listen, the Bible's front to back. It's all about you and I being willing to take a step of faith. And so he, he, it's very easy for him to do because he sees Eliab, stands up, he says, ah, oh, there's a king. God said this, I'm, I'm basically done. Uh, fill your horn, find, find a man named Jesse. I selected one of his sons. Like it's just, don't you feel like sometimes the Lord just places you in a situation? Yeah, somebody in the room. And you go, well, just point them out. No, it's somebody there. You start to move and I'll move. This is how it works. Wouldn't it be so much easier if you just had a vision? No, that won't work. We tried that with Peter. That didn't work. So what's he do? He places you in an environment where you start to notice something about somebody. And the temptation is to point out that fault rather than say, God, what are you redeeming in this person's life? And he'll begin to show you. And you know what you can do if you'll keep listening? 
he began to tell you how to say it, what to say. Here's what he says to, he said to Samuel. He said, I'm going to show you a son. It's anxious. He's, I'm anxious in those moments. My, Kelly says, Kelly will say this, uh, it's time for you to go prophesy. You go prophesy. Well, you prophesy. Like, wow. It's anxious. Mm. No, but just the Lord's got a word for the people through you. Like, get nervous, anxious. Why? Because you want to say the right thing and do the right thing. And, but we're meant to trust the Lord in those moments. Why? Because people matter. God's trying to release people. He's trying to heal people. He's trying to minister to people. He's trying to anoint kings. And here's what he says. He says, um, Samuel, don't go on a sound bite. Don't go on a snapshot or else you'll give a cheap shot. If you, just, if you just go on a little snapshot, but he says, but he says, he says this, he says, um, um, wait until the people come because I don't judge by appearance or height. There's somebody else I'm anointed. I don't judge by appearance or height. Well, the last king, Saul, he was judged, he was appointed king because of his height. I don't judge. He says, I, I actually don't judge by the way that you look at things. I'm just going to read it in closing. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. The Lord said, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't make decisions the way you do. <laughs> People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a person's thoughts and his intentions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask in a second for people I think I probably should pray for people who've been hurt by people's snapshots, but Lord, heal them. Okay. Now I want to pray for people who want their eyes open to be able to see goodness and see God in other people. And, and when we have a desire to point out a fault or point out a flaw or point out a weakness, here's my commission to you, is to tap into faith and start to prophesy. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, or comfort. All you have to do is, I see God blessing you. I see God filling you. I see God's hand on your life. When you start to pour, the Lord will make sure there's lots of oil. And when you and I are around people and we're tempted, and I, it happens, it happens so frequently, we'll start to see a thing and all of a sudden in your heart, a little competitive thing or something starts to come up. Just sit for a second and say, Lord, what are you doing in that person's life? Where are you taking them? And prophesy. Tell you, I'll tell you, it'll make life easier. It'll make life easier for them. I think if you're a teacher, you should prophesy over your students. Why? Because so many of their friends are competing with them and telling them they're not good enough and they don't measure up. I think you should prophesy over all of our children more and more and more. What happens when, you, you, when I say do, to prophesy over your kids, you probably go, mm, it feels a little bit, yeah, yeah, join the club. Because the anointing always flows with this anxiety as well. And you have to set aside the anxiety because that's just your flesh wanting to be perfect and perform. The anointing flows as you rest into God. Now what we're doing, I'm not gonna go by outward appearance, I'm gonna trust on what I'm feeling and seeing on the inside. And watch what comes out, it'll surprise you. You'll start to feel proud about your humility at that point. <laughs> I've said enough. Anybody wants, wants their spiritual eyes open to be able to see goodness in other people, just stand up quick, I'm gonna pray for you all. Spirit of God right here today. I just need, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands up. Everybody else just stand up now too. Father, in the name of Jesus. Because it's in moments like this where we get challenged and it's also moments like this we get changed. 
Lord, the temptation is going to be, I know, I've set them all up. Because this week they're going to have the opportunity to prophesy blessing. And so today I just declare that these eyes of these ones, as they're closed right now, but they're going to open up. And you're going to give us your eyes to be able to see what's going on in other people's lives so we can bless them, so we can build them, and so your body can be strengthened. Lord, forgive us for our judgments based on sound bites and snapshots. Forgive us for looking at people who they are or where they've come from rather than where you're trying to take them. I declare today over this place, spiritual eyes open. Spiritual eyes open. And our desire, Lord, to tap into your spirit to bring revelation, truth, and life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may be seated. We just, uh, you, if you noticed, we didn't receive the offering yet. We can't pass plates. Let's just forget about passing plates. But let's give anyway. We still have some bills. Um, I think we've got a, a little uh, thing. I think that's right, right? And then, so, thanks everybody. It's good, good to be in the house of God. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.